Ultra. Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Two Towers, one longer feeling minute than it is at a time. This minute feels really long. It does. It's not alone in that. No, I mean, there are other ones. I'm Norman Mitchell. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And today we're talking about minute 191, which starts with Mary's face as the ants go marching two by two. Hurrah. Hurrah. <laughs> And ends with Frodo saying to Sam, it's calling, and he'll finish his sentence tomorrow. Yes. What's calling, Sam? It. The ring. The ring. So this this minute takes us from the edge of Fangorn, the Ents marching to their doom, to Frodo and Sam back in the, the hands of Faramir. Yes. Well, well, back to them in the hands of Faramir. They didn't escape and get recaptured along the way. <laughs> they have since relocated. They are now in Osgiliath. Yes. And Gollum is back in this minute. Yeah. He was not in the previous time that we saw Frodo and Sam. But now he's like leading. Or not leading, but he's like in the front and he's also bound again. Yep. Poor Gollum. Poor Gollum. He just can't catch a break. At least It's almost not... like he's full of murder in his heart. Yeah, but I mean... When you do bad things, bad things happen to you. What did he do? Kill his cousin? He, he trespassed. <laughs> I mean, he did other bad things. Right, but like... None of those, I mean, I guess they, like, indirectly led him to that moment. But, like, his cardinal sin was taking a bath and getting some dinner. So Catching a fish. That's Denethor's fish. You put that down. <laughs> that fish belongs to the steward of Gondor. That doesn't have the authority of that fish belongs to the king. Like e Exactly. That's why Denethor's pissed all the time. Ah, I see. Gondor needs no king. Where was Gondor when the West Fold fell? <laughs> I don't know where was protecting Rohan? fish. I guess protecting they were protecting fish, protecting Denethor's dinner. That's what they were doing. <laughs> dinner Thor. Hey oh. I mean, he does eat a lot. Yeah. Oh God. Ugh, now it's in my. You're back there again. Yep, with the tomatoes and. Oh, okay. Wait. Okay. <laughs> Just reboot the brain. <laughs> Calm down. So we're back. We're back with Frodo and Sam. They're in Osgiliath now. They're being, still being dragged along the countryside by Faramir. Yes. We get some shots of fighting in Osgiliath. We get to see some guys in that nice Gondorian armor. With the thwippy thwips of the arrows. Yeah, with the bows and arrows. and Or I guess, yeah, the bows. And some, some giant rocks. Yeah, some big old rocks. You can see the glow of Mount Doom in the background on the horizon in one of the shots. Behind what looks like a fallen citadel or a temple of some kind. Just, it's got like that dome. I understand them wanting to keep Osgiliath as a, like, gaining ground, but, like, it's a piece of shit, the city, like. <laughs> yeah, it's been destroyed, it's been sacked and retaken so, so many like, times. So, why would you want it? I understand, like, the emotional impact of reclaiming a lost city and, like, oh yeah, Gondor, woohoo. But like, <laughs> look what is ours. Yeah. Um, at what cost? Uh, too high of one. Clearly. <laughs> then we get we get the reemergence of Faramir's lieutenant. Yeah. Okay. So I have questions about this guy. Okay. 
He was in the caves. Yes. With Faramir because he does the pointy map thing. Mm-hmm. And then... He went out ahead, obviously. But, like... Or he went out into Osgiliath and this scene is a regroup after this guy goes and gets the news in Osgiliath about what's going on. But he wasn't with them in that shot, that reestablishing shot. Yeah, just, just before this one, right? right? Yeah, he wasn't there. So maybe he got out ahead of them. Maybe because he someone had one of the... else told Faramir, if I'm not mistaken, someone else told Faramir that Osgiliath was under attack. I think so. So did they split the party? He probably sent this guy ahead on horseback, actually. I think that guy did say this, but I, I would just assume this guy went ahead on on horseback if he's rejoining now. Like, he took what few horses they had with a handful of men to ride out ahead to get to us. Where would they keep horses in that cave? I don't know. They have to have some. Why? They have to. So that they can relay a message quickly if needed. If something bad happens, you need to be yeah, able to get okay, back like, quickly. Wouldn't their horses be, like, checking in on Rohan? Or, like... I don't know. Do they only have two horses and one went the other way and one went to Las Gileath? I don't know. But you wouldn't just be in the middle of the woods. If you had to be able to relay a message quickly, you have to have a couple horses. They can do like that bird call thing or whatever. <laughs> All the way to Gondor. It's just guys hiding in bushes between here and, and Minas Tirith. Yeah, it's like the most epic game of telephone. It's like the beacons, but it's bird calls. <laughs> <laughs> it's just robins chirping. The beacons are lit! Tenethor, listen to this whistle. <laughs> I skipped bird calling as an elective in school. Shoot. Tenethor's like, I have no idea what they're telling me. <laughs> it's Faramir. He's fine. Why must you sully the ears of the steward with this? This is why I pay <laughs> translators, right? Right, guys? This is why I pay you. You don't really pay us. Oh, well. This is what you do. Why you? This is why you do what your steward tells you to do. Right? We're working on it. <laughs> then Frodo looks real uncomfortable. There's this moment where he's trying to shrug off somebody's hands off his shoulders. And all I can think is, man, that's Elijah Wood. How big is this double, this this extra that's got his hands on his shoulders? That's a big guy. Well, yeah, it's like... Uh, like Tall Paul. Yeah. We haven't heard from him in a while. Here he is again. <laughs> I don't actually know that. I'm just... Uh, presupposing. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't feel like there's been a lot of need for the, the very large, the very tall people in a lot of the scenes yet, or in a while. Most of the time, we just need someone to, like, stand on a box with their hands on Frodo's shoulders, because right. they're in a stationary position. Right. So that's fine. I wonder if any of the people in these but shots... But then the scale is wrong. Yeah, but it only has to tiny hands. Yeah, but it only has to look... They have little raccoon hands. <laughs> it only has to look close in quick shots, or in shots like that, though doesn't have to look perfect. Yeah. Because the places where it really needs to shine, it does. And that sells other moments, even if they aren't quite as good. That's true. Because once when you see a couple moments that really stand out to you as like, wow, that really worked, you're less likely to nitpick some of the other moments. Yeah, because normal, sane human beings would never watch these movies one minute at a time. Am I right, guys? Uh, Am I right? But I mean, just in general. So the first few scale shots in the movie that are practical scale shots in Fellowship are so good that it primes you to not pay that close attention to them the rest of your movie. You don't think that they wouldn't, like, want to reestablish that, especially because these movies came out a year apart? And, like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe there are people out there who went and saw Two Towers first. I mean, that's possible. Because they heard the hype. And they didn't know anyone with a DVD. And they're like, sure, I'll watch the second movie of this trilogy. How bad could it be? 
<laughs> it's like, who are these guys? Why what's are they going small? On here? What's, what's with this, these small, small people? Why is the blonde freakishly athletic? Who is this attractive, gruff older man? <laughs> Have you heard the word of our Lord and Savior, Aragorn? <laughs> Aragorn. <laughs> Aragorn! It's like, oh, that must be his name. It's a good name, a strong name. Is he the Lord of the Rings? <laughs> <laughs> he looks lordly to me. Hey, Gollum looks real worried here for a bit, looking around. Then Once Frodo. Again, daylight, not doing him any favors. Yeah. And it's daylight now because they've traveled from where they were to Osgiliath. Yeah, but like, was that nighttime? Was that dawn? I don't think it's far enough away for Did it to they, be... Did they, like, have a picnic, lunch, and then get here around two? Like, what? <laughs> well, no, if the city is burning, you're going to get there as fast as possible. Right. You're not going to stop to camp. And it doesn't look too f- so far away to me in the previous shot that they would have had to... That it would take them through the night to the next morning. So this must be morning. It had to have been morning when we saw that. So is this the morning that all the orcs get eaten by trees? Or is this the previous morning? I don't know. Or I just shrugged my arms up in the that, air. Like just happened. This is just some morning before the end of the Battle of Helm's Deep. Right. Because they're en route but, to Helm's Deep, the 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 messenger says. We're gonna talk about it in like two or three weeks. The monologue makes me think this is happening at the same time the Battle of Helm's Deep is wrapping up. But they show up at sunrise. This is clearly afternoon. We don't know how long it takes for them to clean up the battle before the trees. But, like, with the monologue, isn't it all, like, the power shots of, like, Aomer? Yeah, in broad daylight while they're fighting orcs. Yeah, because the sun rises. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Doesn't make a lot of sense. We'll get there. (sighs) We'll get there. But yeah, Osgiliath, not a pretty place. Not sure why Gondor would fight over this so hard, other than... They don't want a place of power for orcs so close to their city. Right. Because in the wide shot earlier, you can see Minas Tirith in the background. Like, I understand the strategery behind it, but also, like, <laughs> what? The strategery. Yeah. Strategicalness. <laughs> the strategic. I guess it would be strategy, but, yes. like, I was going for, like, an adjective. Mm. Well, strategery is just a way George Bush used to say strategy all the oh, time. Oh, gosh darn it. You're right. Hey, man. I'm a child of the 2000s. Strategery. <laughs> no. A little chuckle. No. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely of strategic importance, but Boromir's just like, we're going to restore this city to a place of beauty and light and music. How long is that going to take? <laughs> oh. Oh. But the orcs have taken the eastern shore. They've taken the side that faces Mordor back. Right. It's just like, oh. Uh, what do these puny men think they're doing? Get off of my lawn. Yeah, the the orcs of Mordor just get off, get off of... That's my island. It's just the Eye of Sauron with a shotgun. (laughs) It's got an empty beer can and a baseball cap. (laughs) Oh my god. Get off my lawn! (laughs) You darn kids. I mean, everyone's a kid in comparison to him. That's true. He is as old as the world itself. I mean, not the wizards. But like, I mean, they're the same age as him. Yeah. He has existed for all of time, except for before Iluvatar created the Ion. Yeah, the, okay, so I have a Silmarillion question, just to get off the rails completely, mm-hmm. because that's our brand. Um, Isn't 
uh, what's his face? Melkor, like the oldest? Or is he just like the best? All of the Ainur, which are the Valar and Maiar, were created at the same time. Doesn't it say that he's the oldest brother? Most powerful. I don't think it says he's the, mo- he's the oldest, but it says he's the most powerful, the fairest, the most skilled. I believe the Silmarillion just refers to them as siblings. Doesn't call them older or younger siblings because they were all created at the same time. Manwe and Melkor were brethren in the thought of Iluvatar. So that means he, like, conceived them at the same time? Mm, I guess, or thought of them together when he was writing his song to birth the universe. Right, so if you're writing a song, a song doesn't happen instantaneously. It happens over the course of time. Like, that's literally what music is. It's like a disruption of silence through time. Yeah. So they would be like twins. Yeah, I suppose so. I don't know. I just think of the the Valar and the Maiar. Maybe this is because of also the idea of like a like a Christian creation thought is it just happened. It was just done. So I think of the the Valar and the Maiar being all created at once. So, okay, what the names of the lords in due order are, and then it lists all the dudes, and then it lists all the ladies. I assume that's in order of power. So, like, power structure instead of, like, birth order? Yeah, in due order to me means in order of power. Hmm. In, in, in order of importance, which would mean power in the, when you're talking about creators, demigods. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like, Melkor is counted no longer among the Valar, and his name is not spoken upon the earth. Because mm. he did a bad thing. Because he was mean. So yeah, I, I think of the I think of the Valar and Maiar as being created kind of all at once. Iluvatar wrote the song, then created all of them. He brought all the spirits to life, created all the spirits he needed, and then got them to start singing to build the world. He had his plan, and then he brought the instruments together, and then he had them start playing. Right. But, like... Because it it, says he would be outside time. Right. I mean, all of this stuff happened outside time, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it didn't happen over the course. Like, outside time as mortals reckon it. Like, it could be, like, some crazy extra-dimensional thing, like, that took, like, billions of years, you know? I suppose, yeah. But like, it's outside our reckoning of time. Right. So From our that, perspective, it happens all at once. But that doesn't necessarily make any sense. It doesn't have to. It's outside of mortal reckoning. You know what I mean, though? Like, it could have taken years for all of them to come to being, but... Or whatever. Not if time doesn't pass. But would it be all at the same instant? That's just what I always kind of assume. Because even a thought, like, thoughts happen, but, like... They happen in an order, and they happen, like, over the course of time. Well, time is, at its, time is really just measurement of uh, movement across space. Right. So if there's no space to move across... There is no time. There's no time as we know it, but they could also have a deeper understanding of time, being that they are literal gods. Sure, but we have no idea what that is. All the... All the Silmarillion so, says. What I'm saying is, <laughs> Manwe and Melkor could be the oldest brothers. I yeah, I guess because they could. thoughts can happen instantaneously, but there's also has to be like an order in which they occur. 
I mean, I guess, but it, the the thought is not their creation, necessarily. But it literally says, like... He thought of them together. Yeah, he thought of them together, and what Iluvatar thinks, that's what happens. I mean... Or we could, like, read it to be like, Iluvatar thought of them as brothers. Like, he created them separately, but then they were so alike that they were, he was like, oh, yeah, those two are bros. Those two are brothers. Because it's an, it, they don't refer to the Valar as all as siblings all the time. But it's, like, inconstant. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's kind of like Greek mythology where you got gods marrying their siblings. But it's not it, It's not shown in that way. It's not described in that way. Right. Like, there are lords not, and then there are queens. Yeah. Like, And they're also, they weren't literally birthed the way that Greek gods are. That's true. They were created. They were sung into being. But, like... So there's that, too. So they're not really siblings in the same way that Zeus and Hades and Poseidon are. Right. Because they weren't literally birthed from a, a, a titan's womb. Right. Huh. So I've always thought of the way that the Silmarillion opens up as being Iluvatar devised his plan and then began his plan. And because he's God, it happens all at once. All of the things he wanted to spring into being to begin his song all began to exist at once, the same way you turn on a light switch. Yeah. Because when he was ready to begin the song, he just, like, taps his little maestro baton on the stand, and the orchestra appears. God, that would be something, wouldn't it be? Right? And then he performs his composition. (laughs) Just tap, tap, tap. Look, there's life. Now watch as I create the world. It's got a real Fantasia vibe to it. So in this analogy, or... I guess it's not even an analogy. It's just like the mythology. The orchestra are the Valar and the Maiar. Yeah, collectively known as the Ainur before they came to Arda. So so all the ones that are still with Iluvatar are the Ainur. But they were also ad-libbing. Like, they had music, like sheet music in front of them. But like a jazz musician, they were also just like going with it. A handful of it. them were, yeah. Like Melkor... Started some of his own stuff and got other people yeah. to do it with him. And then Yavanna sang some of her own things into existence in the Eagles in the end. So, like, were those written or were those things that they just decided to sing? And then Iluvatar was just like, oh, hey, I got your back. Uh, check out these cool trees that walk and these giant I talking mean, evil. That's eagles. exactly the implication from the conversation between Iluvatar and Yavanna when it talks about the Ents and Eagles. But, like, the dwarves, like, he didn't plan for that. He was just like, whoa, that's oh. weird. I believe that, well, that to me implies that Ale uh, made the dwarves after the song was over. So it was like a secret track? He created, no, he created them of the Earth of Arda after the song oh, was done. Oh, and then he was just like, whoa, I don't like and those. He didn't sing them into being. He made them with his hands. And then he found out that he could create life and yeah. he was scared. Yeah. And he's like, dad, I messed up, I think. Look at these tiny things. Yeah. You're right, son. They sure are tiny. They sure are tiny. I guess I'm going to have to destroy them because they're not part of my plan. Oh, they have free will. Never mind. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I'm just going to put them to sleep. Right? Uh, you can just chill under a mountain for a couple thousand years. Couple ages. Because I need my elves to mess things up first. Mm-hmm. So the implication to me 
is that the song was sung. And then after that, after the Valar and the Maiar that followed them go to Arda, then Allah made the dwarves okay. on Arda itself. That makes sense. And then Iluvatar hid them away and made them go to sleep. <laughs> I will not have these short things <laughs> interfere with my plan. They cannot come first. <laughs> they can come second. Why? Like, that's so stupid. The elves have to come first. Dumb. That's elfist. They're the first children of Iluvatar. That's like dwarfist. Really, they're the second children of Iluvatar. Because the Valar and Maiar are the first children of Iluvatar. But whatever. Doesn't matter. So yeah, I, I think that there's just this... Well, it's not about time. It's just... It just happens. He just summoned them all into being. But it's like ages before the ages began. Yes. It's long, long ago. I'm just saying, I think they have a stretch of time that they measure. Gandalf experiences time when he goes on his weird cosmic journey. That's true, but that's after he's acquainted with the reckoning of time. that's true. There's like stars and stuff. He's whipping by. (sighs) All right, all right, all right. Metaphysics. (laughs) His psychedelic journey. (laughs) Just drops some acid and gets reborn in the snow. (laughs) That sounds like a modern day retelling of A Christmas Carol. Maybe. (laughs) Oh my god. You'll be visited by three spirits. (laughs) The last one is death. This suddenly became a bad trip. Rum, vodka, and tequila. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Spirits. Yeah, that's the joke. Anyway, (laughs) we're from the website DuelingShawnRedock.com. Go check out the site. There's a bunch of other podcasts going on there. If you'd like to support us and the site, you can also go to DuelingGenre.com slash support to support us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. You'll get access to Scott Pilgrim vs. The Minute. But only that. But only that. And then it steps up from there. You'll get access to other weekend editions, other premium content. As always, a special thanks to our Patreon associate producer, Ed Foster. Bye. We'll be back tomorrow? We'll be back tomorrow. Question mark? Yeah, we will. Bye.